welcome to episode 22 of the Bike Pack Canada podcast with yours truly, Ryan Corey. Uh, returned last night uh, back to Canmore after two weeks down in Arizona, and uh, it was quite the shock. It was uh, 37 degrees, I think, when we left, so hovering around the, the 100 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, when we arrived back in Canmore, uh, last night it was uh, we we'd arrived to ten to twenty five centimeters of uh, fresh snow, so uh, it's quite quite the shock. And uh, you know, further to my comments in the last podcast about winter training, uh, I, I you know I, I still very much like the idea of uh, getting out on a fat bike and really going at it. But uh, I think for the foreseeable future, when it comes to training, uh, not just staying active, but to training, I think. Uh, for next year in the lead up to the divide, I'm going to head back uh, south for for a month for sure. It's it's too hard not to pass up, and and there's something about not having to spend 45 minutes just getting ready for a ride uh, that I really like. So yeah, back in Canmore, and uh, you know, excited for the the interview today. It's it's um, you know, I'm not gonna lie, it might get a little heavy, um, but uh, it's a story worth telling for sure. Uh, my interview is with uh, film director Mike Dion, who I'm sure many of you know. Uh, Mike is the guy behind uh, Ride the Divide, the Tour Divide documentary, um, Reveal the Path, um, Inspired to Ride, the, the Trans Am documentary, and his uh, Bike Packing Secrets uh, project, uh, which I told him I'm going to sign up for. I've been meaning to do it, and I'm going to sign up for after the podcast. Um, we're going to chat a little today about storytelling. Uh, the ins and outs of filmmaking and wherever that goes. Uh, But I think the ultimate focus here is, um, you know, ultimately ultimately to round back to uh, some stories on our fallen uh, comrade, Mr. Mike Hall. And uh, uh, Mike was, uh, of course, featured in um, Inspired to Ride, which I watched again this morning. And you know the, the doc holds up quite well, and it's it, it was it was hard to watch. Uh, uh, you know, knowing what had just happened uh, to Mike Hall, and um, you know I had never met him personally. Um, so I think for for those of us um, you know around the world that the story touched, um, I wanted to you know kind of find out some more of the story behind the story and <clears throat> chat with uh, Mike because. Mike Dion, because I, I know they would have spent quite a quite a bit of time behind the scenes, and uh, I'm sure there's some stories there that uh, didn't necessarily make it into the film. So, uh, Mike, uh, dude, welcome to the podcast. Um, maybe let's start with uh, how's the weather down in Denver? Let's keep it light. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first off, thanks for uh, for having me. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity. The weather in Denver today, it's a little brisk. It's uh, in uh, the, this morning, it was uh, in the 30s uh, Fahrenheit. So uh, I think we're due some snow actually here, which is uh, kind of good. Um, I think, uh, my ski pass is, is still good for, for another week or two. So I still might go get some turns in, um, before, uh, true spring arrives. So, <laughs> so you're, you're still, you're still in the thick of it. And you, you were mentioning before we came on that, uh, today's a busy day for you. You're, uh, busy, uh, shipping, uh, posters. Uh, is it just in the U S that you're doing those legend posters or, or are they going all no. around the world? They're going all around the world, and, and actually, the 
the posters are <clears throat> kind of a long story with not, not worth getting, getting into it, but they're actually being shipped out of Boise, Idaho. I met uh, a gentleman who actually owns a, a fulfillment uh, business, uh, a drop shipping company, and he is a, is a cyclist and, and found out about Mike's passing and, and then saw that uh, that legend poster that kind of uh, organically bubbled up in, in the heat of, of the moment uh, was being offered, and he reached out to me and, and offered up his services for uh, for shipping out all of the posters uh, around the world, and he actually got his UPS representative to actually donate $500 worth of uh, shipping um, costs um, to to the to the cause, I guess, or, or the situation. So it's been um, it's been super cool, kind of you know, seeing the the people really rallying and, and wanting to help out and, and be part of it in, in their own way. Yeah, and for for those that don't know, we're, the poster we're talking about is um, a, a, it's well, it's a poster of of my call. Um, I, I believe it's the cover shot from uh, the 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 documentary, so inspired to ride, and um, so it's yeah, a poster you guys got done up, and you're using it as a as a fundraiser, um, and you said you you sent some checks already over uh, to the UK. So yes, yep, awesome. Uh, you know, it's it's been cool. Like I said, to see. Um, all the little ways people are trying to uh, remember Mike and um, uh, try to support the cause. So there's the posters, there was a GoFundMe page and uh, uh, the ride in Sydney and uh, of course um, uh, the memorial service which I believe is happening uh, next week. Yeah, next week in uh, North Yorkshire. So back in, in Mike's hometown. Um, so let's let's uh, we'll, we'll round back to the Mike Hall discussion, but why let's learn about you um, as a filmmaker a bit. And, um, you know, I, I definitely wanted to get more like deep into your story and, and, and learn about some of the stories behind the story, um, especially with Inspired to Ride. And uh, we'll hopefully go into that at the, the Bike Pack Summit. Um, so we'll just kind of, uh, you know, give, give people for, for those that don't know you, um, you know, what's, what's your experience? How did you get into to filmmaking and, and how did you get drawn into bikepacking? Oh, wow. I actually went to film school, uh, way back, way back when, way back in the day. I, uh, I grew up in Montana, uh, a Montanan, Montana boy and, went to film school at Montana State University, which you wouldn't really think of, of really kind of uh, thinking much of, of equating Montana with film school. But it was a, it was a great program, and, and uh, I learned a ton kind of uh, in, in that experience. And I guess pro- I think the spark, you know, I think Warren Miller films, many of us um, who are, who've been around a while, you know, for the adventure films and, and category, Warren Miller was, was one of the early guys. And, you know, I was a, a teenager and when the Warren Miller films would, would come through, we'd hit the local college and all cram together and get stoked on, on the, the upcoming ski season. So, so I think that seed was planted pretty early on. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. Looking back on it, it wasn't some master plan. I wasn't the kid, you know, with the Super 8 film camera in the backyard making short films with, with my friends or, or anything like that. It was, I think more photography was, was my passion and, and, uh, and it just kind of, uh, 
went uh, went from went from there and had the opportunity after I graduated film school. There were some big feature films being shot in Montana. Um, a River Runs Through It is one I was lucky enough to kind of get a, a, a gig at. And then Far and Away with Tom Cruise and Ron Howard was also being shot in Montana that summer. So that'll date me. If you guys now go IMDb those films, you'll see, uh, <laughs> you know, when I was uh, graduating college. So <laughs> what, what, what kind of things were you doing on those films? I was a lowly uh, PA intern. So I was, uh, you know, running around charging charging batteries for, you know, Ron Howard's assistant directors and cameramen and, and things like that. But then, uh, what was kind of cool with, uh, with, um, a river runs through it is, is, uh, was kind of helping do the EPK, which is the electronic press kit. So we were, and it was kind of through, through the university got, got that hooked up. And so we were doing the interviews kind of for behind the scenes interviews with Brad Pitt before he was kind of Brad Pitt and, and, um, Robert Redford and, and things like that. So that was actually super cool getting kind of our own, uh, time to interview the, the actors and, and everything. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. So the, the, the passion to pursue the documentary or, or more realistic, uh, filmmaking is that, is that coming more from the, the Warren Miller side or, or, did you always know you wanted to, to kind of focus on that area or had you ever thought of doing, um, you know, the feature films? You know, it's uh, being on those large feature films. I think it it gave me an understanding of or it, even um, like far and away it was super massive. It was. It was uh, just huge crews and, and tons of cameras, and, and I had this chip on my shoulder. You know, I just graduated film school, and it's like I should be directing this. I shouldn't be, you know, char- charging walkie-talkie batteries. So, um, you know, as a twenty-year-old with a huge chip on chip on their shoulder, but but I think seeing something so massive, I didn't. I kind of knew that I didn't necessarily want to be just uh, some crew guy. You know, one of you know, 60 or 70 or 80, um, you know, crew members on, on a huge feature film like that. So, so I ended up kind of doing some small commercial production with, uh, small commercial production companies doing 30 second commercials. And then actually did try to go out to LA for a while. And I think I lasted two weeks and and came back to, to Montana. And then, um, I don't know, I I think, you know, I've always, wanted to kind of do, do my own thing and, and really get my hands in on a lot of the processes, you know, with the camera and the editing and, and, uh, kind of doing it, doing it all. So I guess it just sort of, uh, kind of went evolved from there. Gotcha. And, uh, it looks like you've worked with, uh, Hunter Weeks on a bunch of your projects. How did you guys uh, connect? Hunter and I, so I was, so I've been in Denver, um, gosh, 18 years now. And when, when I moved to Denver, I actually kind of got pulled into the corporate television side of things, the Hallmark Channel, Stars Entertainment. So I was at uh, Stars Entertainment for, for quite a few years. And, 
and had got my department, many departments got restructured and, and was part of a kind of a layoff situation where a lot of my team got laid off, but I was sort of reassigned to a different department. And it was like, Hey Mike, try this new gig. And if it works out great, if not, you know, you have three months to kind of, to see if, if it, if it fits. And if you, and if in, within three months you don't like the job, well, you can leave and still collect a severance package. Now this was back in, this was like the end of 2007. And I had already kind of made the decision. I was going to participate in the transant or the, the tour divide race that year. It was the inaugural year of the, of the tour divide in 2008. So, so that next year, so I would, was already sort of training and, and, and really, you know, paying attention to MTB cast and all the forums, you know, pretty early on with, with this whole bike packing, bike packing thing. So, so this, you know, shakeup with with the layoff happened, and but then I still had had a gig. So I'm not answering your question very uh, deliberately, but I'm giving you a little bit of context here, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, no, no, trust me, I'm along for the so, ride. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that happened, which which sucked, and and you know, for the family, it kind of shook thing things up a little bit. So I continued uh, in this new uh, position, all along, still training and, and kind of thinking. About, I thought it would be cool to, you know, to, to do my best to film um, my journey doing this crazy mountain bike race through through the Rocky Mountains with, uh, you know, a small-ish camera. GoPros weren't weren't a thing back then. Um, you know, small small HD cameras were still, you know, like probably one one pound, one and a half pounds, or or, or something like that. So so, anyways, over the course of this three months. I get a proposal on, on my desk. Um, and long story short, this, this proposal for, for a project, um, kind of mentioned this film 10 miles per hour. And this film 10 miles per hour was a couple guys took a Segway scooter from Seattle to Boston. So across a cross country adventure on a, on an electric Segway, Segway scooter. I'm like, Oh, that's insane. But it's kind of like, you know, this pro this thing I want to do another cross country, uh, adventure and, and lo and behold, Hunter Weeks and, and Josh Caldwell were the two guys who, who put that uh, 10 miles per hour film together, and they were in Denver, Colorado. So so long story short, I get a hold of these guys, we sit down for beers, and that was sort of the seed that, that was planted that became the film Ride the Divide. So Hunter, I met Hunter kind of through this crazy proposal that wasn't even something they put together. It was just this film that they had had created years earlier were, were mentioned in, in this proposal. And that's how uh, Hunter and I started uh, working together. Oh, awesome. I, so I, I guess long, long story short, people are hanging. I, I, I quit my job. I left my job. I took the severance package and that severance package funded a big piece of Ride the Divide. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm tempted to ask a ton of questions right now on on that experience, but we'll, again, we'll, we'll hold back for the the summit. Um, so I think we're going to do that on the Saturday night. But just just for now, to kind of like uh, to to wet that interest, uh, where where like where did someone find out about the Tour Divide in 2008? Like, how did how did you even come across the race? So the Tour Divide didn't exist yet. So what? So there was uh, the Great Divide mountain bike uh, route. Um, and I forget what the original race was called, but it was a border to border race. Um, Kurt Kuriak was, was one of the earlier instigators of, of that. You know, it might've just been called the great, great, 
the great divide mountain bike race perhaps. Um, but, but anyways, for, for a couple of years, it was a border to border race where, you know, six people, eight people, 12 people were, were participating, um, in, uh, following the great divide mountain bike route from, from border to border. And, MTBR, I forget the big, you know, the, the big forum, um, you know, where everyone would, you know, this was back in 2006 ish, uh, somewhere, somewhere in there. But, but, uh, anyways, there, you know, there, there was a forum and, and Matthew Lee was in on that mix. And, and over the years, Matthew Lee kept pushing the, you know, Kuryak and, and these guys to say, Hey, the race the route actually starts in Banff, Canada. So the race should actually start in, in Banff, Canada. And Matthew Lee would actually start in Banff, Canada, and then ride to the start of their race at, at the, at the Canadian U S border in, in Montana. So he, Matthew Lee was making news with, uh, with kind of, you know, he was starting two days ahead of time, you know, putting in, nearly a couple hundred miles before the race, you know, the, the race even started. So, so that was kind of making news and I was following, following that. And then mtbcast.com were, uh, doing call-ins. Um, you know, Joe Polk, uh, has been at this for, for quite some time himself, you know, putting up the audio recordings of, of folks. So I was in my office, you know, just, uh, you know, getting sucked into, to these adventures. And, and so that, that's how I found out it, out about it through mtbcast.com. And then some of the early uh, forums back in the day. Gotcha. So I, I want to ask a ton of questions. I'm, I'm not, I'm really holding back here, but um, <laughs> did the, the, the outcome of, of the, the film, um, was it, was it what you expected? Was it, um, you know, did it take a while to, to catch on? Like now it's kind of a cult thing. Um, but you know, at the time, what, what did you perceive of it? Uh, so I guess that then in 2008, there were Matthew Lee said, screw it. I'm going to start my own race. I'm going to call it the tour divide race. So in 2008, there were actually two races that occurred. Matthew Lee's tour divide race, which started in Banff and then kind of the, the older pre, you know, existing, um, Kuryak race that, uh, that was the border to border. And, uh, and we filmed the, the tour divide, uh, adventure. And again, it was, you know, we had no idea what, what it was going to turn into or, or what it was, was going to be. It was a purely passion project. It's like, Hey, let's, you know, film this adventure and, and, and kind of, just see what happens. Um, and, and lo and behold, there were, there was someone filming the, the other race, the border to border race as well. But uh, story has it that it was a crew from the UK that came out to film it. And, you know, seven to days, seven to, you know, 10 days in, they, they imploded and, and couldn't stand, the pressure or working together or, or trying to, you know, figure out how to actually, you know, film something like that. So, so their, their project kind of fell apart, um, which, you know, just kind of goes to show, you know, covering something like this day after day after day, it's, it's not, it's definitely not easy. So, 
So what did, I guess, what did I think about it? I don't know. I was just along for the ride, right? I was, you know, actually a participant. So I was, I was racing. So, so kind of the idea was when we all got up to Banff, I told Hunter, Hunter, as soon as I put my helmet on, you know, from a, a producing directing standpoint, it's all, it's all you. Cause <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to, you know, finish this damn crazy race and, and, uh, you know, kudos to Hunter and, and Anthony, uh, which was another, um, per person in the crew, they, uh, stepped up and, and captured, you know, the, the footage that, that we now see in, in that film, Ride the Divide. Hmm. So do you get, oh, geez, I, I, I want to keep asking, you know, okay, I'm going to move on from the, because <laughs> this is how it's going to go at the summit. I'm just going to ask you, I'm just going to, you know, nonstop questions. Um, this, yeah, this is good stuff. So, okay. So moving on. Um, so the, well, like the goal of a documentary filmmaker these days, is it, and I kind of know where this is headed, but I'll, I'll ask anyways for the sake of the audience, but like, is the goal to get your project on Netflix or like, how do you make, you know, any return on your investment as a, as a documentary filmmaker these days? Cause these documentaries don't really get played in, in theaters, uh, anymore, unless you're, you're buying up the theater for your own show. But, um, you know, like, so how have you, how, how have you navigated those waters over the last, um, decade or so? A shit ton of effort. It's, it's just, it's a lot of work, you know, luckily, you know, the, the position that, that I've held in, in, like at Stars Entertainment was in the marketing. So it was almost kind of like the in-house advertising agency. So, so I had been, you know, kind of came from, from the mindset of, the, of, of a marketer and advertising, you know, in this entertainment field. And then, you know, I mentioned Warren Miller at the beginning of, of this, uh, of this, um, of this chat and just, you know, knowing what their kind of business model was, you know, they would actually do exactly what you said. They would take their, their film and they would go rent, um, college theaters and, and different theaters around, around the country and, and show their film and, and charge tickets. And then they would make DVDs and, and through mail order <laughs> back in the day, you know, start, uh, shipping and, and selling, selling DVDs. And it wasn't, you know, the internet wasn't, didn't exist back then. So you couldn't really order something off of the, off of the internet. So, so I guess it was just, uh, you know, luckily our community, this, this community is just passionate. Um, and thank God, you know, it whips out their credit card when, when we do, uh, put a, a theatrical screening event together, you know, people do buy tickets and, and through now the, this wonderful thing we call the internet. Yeah. People and iTunes and, and Amazon and everything else that exists now slowly, but surely day after day, enough downloads and DVDs and, and different things get sold that, you know, over the course of, of a couple of years, um, all the credit cards get paid off and, and the awesome, handful of in investors, the friends and, and family and, and different people who've actually invested some dollars get paid back with a, a little bit of profit. But, uh, but, uh, you know, if it, if it takes a good year to, to make the film, well, that's then, then there's another two years of sales and, and marketing that continue to, to happen, um, to do exactly what you said, you know, how, how do you actually make any money? It's becomes a job. It becomes, it's just an, 
it's a net now you put on the, the, the marketing and the producing and the sales hat for, for the next two years. So, so now that you've put out a couple of films, um, do you, I, I imagine you must have a new appreciation for what Warren Miller was doing? Cause weren't, weren't they for a while cranking out a film every year? Yeah. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. Super huge appreciation. <laughs> and then, and like nowadays, um, like do most directors, um, like, like is, is the goal to, to, to find the most, um, as many pipelines as you can through, through the online world or are, are film directors still like, is the theatrical presence still even part of the conversation or important, or is it more just to stroke the ego? Like, you know, if, if I want to get into filmmaking, do I just try to get it on Netflix? Like what's, what do you think is the goal these days? Netflix is actually a really bad situation, um, for, for me any, anyway, uh, as, as a, as a small independent, because what Netflix will, will do is, and it's, it's even tough to, so I cannot go directly to Netflix. I need a distributor to, to kind of say yes to my film and then go pitch it to, to Netflix along with, you know, whatever other films that they kind of have on, on their roster that particular month. And if Netflix happens to say yes, generally what the deals are. So Netflix will say, okay, we'll take inspired to ride for the United States and Canada for two years for, you know, X amount of money. And, and the, the, and the amount of money that they're offering is really not that great. It's, it, it ends up being about what I can generate on the film's website in a two to four month period. So in essence, what they're doing is like, Hey, anyone in the United, so 45 million, you know, 43 million people in the United States and Canada can watch your film as many times as they want to. And you're not going to get the only money that you're going to collect is every quarter you know, over two years will divide this, this fee, um, so it's, it's really not great. And then, of course, once the film is on Netflix, available essentially for free, well, then things like DVD sales and, and iTunes sales, um, you know, really kind of start start going away and, and drying up. So it's kind of one of those things where I don't – if Netflix says yes, I generally will not put the film on Netflix for at least a year and a half because then I'm able to really kind of reach the, the passionate core people who want to own a Blu-ray or a DVD or, or a digital download. And then by the time it kind of hits Netflix, well, then hopefully we're, we're finding new audiences and people who've never heard of this before, then, you know, curious enough, hey, I want to, you know, Google this and, and, and maybe dive in a little deeper and, and see what this is about. So... Gotcha. And, and I know Netflix is, um, from how I understand it, pretty private in regards to how many people are viewing um, right. their shows. But like for you, the filmmaker, does any of that information trickle back to you? None, nothing at all. So I have no idea how many people watch the film, where they live or, or anything. Yeah. Well, well, you got one view from Canmore this morning. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but that, that said, I should say I, I, I did buy the, the, the DVD also. So uh, thank you. I, I'm one of the good guys. <laughs> um, you know, not saying that, net, you know, if you watch a film on Netflix, you're not a bad guy, right? It's yeah. just, you know, it's just, it's just not a great situation for an independent uh, filmmaker. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So after a year and a half, it becomes just like a glorified business card for you, maybe. 
kind of a little bit. Yeah. Again, it's to, to kind of maybe bring in, you know, new, new, new fans that, that weren't a fan otherwise. Okay, cool. Exactly. Um, so what is it, what is it about, um, bike packing that, that has your interest as, as a filmmaker. So you, you've got the ride to divide, as we said, reveal the path and, and, and inspired to ride. Like, is this something you think you're going to keep at or, um, you know, was it those specific races? What is it about, uh, bike packing that you like? You know, we call it bike packing now, but back in 2008, I don't know that anyone was using the word bike packing. I don't even think it was, I don't think that word even existed yet. So it was, it was more the adventure. So it was more, you know, going out and, and, you know, taking on this, this crazy adventure on, on a bicycle where you carried minimal equipment in, in these bags that, you know, back in 2007, 2008, there were two guys, you know, I'm sewing these, sewing these bags up, um, which is crazy to think about now. It's, you know, there's so many, so many people, um, you know, places and, and even huge companies creating bike packing bags right now. But back then, you know, it was just, you know, the, you know, two guys kind of doing it and it took months and months, uh, for you to place an order and, and actually get your, get your, get your bags, uh, delivered. So to answer your question, bikepacking, I don't think it was about bikepacking per se. It was just about, you know, getting out into, into the, the forest and, and the dirt trails on, on a bicycle. And, and, um, and it wasn't necessarily a strategy. It was just more like, Hey, you know, what little amount of gear, you know, can we actually get away with one just to keep things light? Um, and, uh, I guess that was the main thing really is just to, to keep things as light uh, and compact as, as, uh, as possible. So again, it was a purely passion, uh, situation going back to 2008. And then it took, um, about a year and a half, nearly two years for us to actually get what is now known as, is ride the divide sort of edited and, and out into the world. And, and it did generate some, some buzz and got, got, you know, people interested. And then, and then the next film reveal a path kind of bubbled up from a relationship uh, with salsa bicycles. Um, and then kind of, you know, an, an idea about purposefully not like a race situation and about, it wasn't, you know, about how far or how fast it was more of that adventure. You know, if you could, you know, tr- go anywhere with your bicycle for multiple days, where, where would you kind of go? And then that's when bike packing, I think the terminology, and this was like 2012, you know, I think started entering our vernacular. And then, um, inspired the inspired to ride so that you filmed that uh geez i'm losing track of my timeline that was that two years ago that you filmed that in 14 we filmed it in 14 it came out two years ago okay gotcha and uh yeah i remember you, you kind of changed up your system a little bit so you, you did it wasn't a gofundme what you had a you had a kickstarter campaign right for that we we did a kickstarter campaign and it was a it was a really the, the Kickstarter was, um, after the fact, the film was, we did a Kickstarter for the world premiere. We kind of did, uh, we kind of did a, you know, my idea was taking the idea of a world premiere and actually, you know, bringing the whole entire world to, to your, you know, to your party, to your premiere. So, so the, the Kickstarter campaign was to kind of create like a bikepacking summit 
is is an essentially uh, what what we did. So here in in Denver, actually it was Golden, Colorado. We we kind of created a, a, a summit um, where Neil Belchenko and Billy Rice and Mike Hall and Juliana and the filmmakers. Um, gosh, there were a few other. F- um, uh, Tracy Peter very, you know, so, so they kind of did a bike packing summit during, during the day and talked about, you know, their gear and their kits and, and their bikes and, and everything. And then that evening we premiered the film, but the way we kind of brought the whole world in on the parties, we were live streaming the, you know, the summit and, and, and these uh, kind of workshops that were going on on during the day. And then when the film premiered, um, people were able to download the film at the same time we were watching it live in the audience and then kind of come back and, and watch the Q&A live. So the Kickstarter was kind of to help create that summit, that world premiere summit where, where we brought, um, brought in a lot of the, the folks who were in the film to put on that summit um if you will so so that's kind of what the kickstarter was for gotcha so um well well let's get more into the trans am store now and uh mm-hmm. you know now that we've brought up mike hall so where, where does where does mike hall come across your your consciousness uh, or your radar for the first time so even the trans am bike race gosh this would have been 2013 now so, so a website pops up, you know, the Trans Am, Trans Am bike race, um, links kind of start hitting, hitting Facebook about this, uh, this new, this new race following the, another adventure cycling association route, the Trans Am bike route, and it's going to be the Trans Am bike race. So, so I, I kind of hit the link. I, I check out the site. I'm like, oh, this this is kind of cool. And I look at the the roster, and there's uh, like six or seven people kind of signed up for it. And then two weeks go by, and I keep seeing you know people talking about this on Facebook. And um, three weeks or, or something go by, and I go back, and there's like 30, 40, 50 people now signed up for this race. I'm like, wow, okay, this is kind of bubbling up. This is kind of paying attention. People are digging this one. So, uh, so Nathan Jones, so I emailed Nathan Jones, who put the website together. I'm like, Hey Nathan, uh, man, you're kind of generating some big interest here with your Trans Am bike race. Um, and, and actually at the time we were kind of toying with, gosh, do we go back and do like a ride the divide to uh, sort of, sort of film or, or something like that? But then seeing the huge interest in this road race, um, and I'm not a road guy at all, um, so it didn't interest me one bit, but uh, seeing the interest. But then you start seeing a lot of the, the Tour Divide guys showing up in, in this roster. So it's like, wow, some of the mountain bike guys are actually signing up. Uh, some 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 veterans, bikepacking race veterans, are are actually kind of signing up for for this race. So I'm like, wow. Well, it would be cool to make a film about this because it's still in the same sort of this bikepacking thing, but but uh, but it's on road. So and it's not doing the exact same thing that we just did. So it wouldn't be like a, a ride the divide too. It would be similar but different. So so that's kind of how. Um, how we actually kind of said yes to making that the next film. And, and then Mike Hall actually was uh, one of the names on the roster. 
And like, did you know who he was? Like, did you know of his background uh, before he signed out? Yeah, I knew who he was because he had um, done pretty good. I think he had done the Tour Divide twice by by then. Um, so yeah, so he so he had uh, bubbled up, and, and Billy Rice at that point had had bubbled up, and uh, so kind of working with Nathan, you know, it's like, hey, Nathan, who on you know the names on this roster, you know, who who are folks that you kind of know are are, are are people we should maybe pay attention to or, or kind of reach out to 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 see if they would be open to us sticking a camera in their faces as they rode, uh, across, uh, across the country. So originally we kind of identified three men, three women that, uh, that would kind of be at least from a production standpoint, who we wanted to really attempt to focus on. And again, being a race and, and not scripted, you know, we had no idea if, if the three people that we had talked to and, and they actually said, yes, you know, would they, become injured on day five and, and leave the race. And, and then, you know, what, what do we have? <laughs> you know, that story ends. Um, so, so it becomes, okay, we're going to focus on, on these six people, but then just what we're the way we do things anyway is, um, as, as stories and, and things organically just sort of happen, you know, it's our job to, you know, the cameras roll 24 seven. Um, kind of the idea is if, uh, if something interesting actually happens, but the camera wasn't there to capture it. Well, it really didn't happen as far as an audience is concerned, if that makes, you know, makes sense. So if, if we didn't, if we didn't shoot something interesting, that actual, you know, the, the person watching, you know, the, the film, it, well, it didn't actually exist. So, so we're, you know, working our butts off trying to just be in as many places as possible and film as much as, as we can. So, so anyways, I kind of went off on a tangent there, right? <laughs> no, 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 all good. So the, the first email, uh, I'm assuming email to, to Mike Hall, uh, letting him know you're doing this project and asking to get involved. Like what, what's that first interaction like? Right. So man, I may even have it somewhere. It'd be interesting. You should have, uh, let me know. I, I maybe could have found it, but, but yes, that's exactly, exactly right. Um, I get in, uh, Nathan, Nathan gave me email addresses because, um, he had the roster and, and the sign up sheet. So yeah, it's like, Hey, this is Mike. Um, you know, produced the film ride the divide and, and, uh, we're looking at doing the trans am race is, is our next project. Want to know if you'd be open to us, sticking a camera in your face and, and following your adventure as you uh, race uh, across the country. Um, so I guess that's initially how, how it, uh, it kind of, how it starts. <laughs> and, and was he totally receptive right out of the gate or apprehensive? Yeah. You know, if, if um, you know, those who've heard Mike kind of talk or communicator or, or do interviews, he's, you know, incredibly humble you know, very polite, you know, that, you know, very English polite and proper. Right. So, so, so yeah, it's, um, and, and, and I don't know that there were any concerns, I think having, you know, the ride the divide film out there. And obviously I think everybody who was doing this race had seen the film and, and kind of saw our style of storytelling with, with these projects and, and our style isn't to overly dramatize you know, these events, if anything, it's, it's very, 
you know, realistic and, and it's n- nothing is forced. Like we're not trying to force drama or force anything. It's really just covering the events, um, naturally and being respectful of, of the, of the, the racers and, and, and the riders. So I think having ride the divide and, and even reveal the path at that point out there, you know, our style and, and, and sensibility was, was proven. So, so I think, you know, like if the BBC or something would have asked, you know, I think, you know, like someone like that, you would think you would maybe question about, you know, trying to fake or, or overly dramatize situations. Um, so, so how, how did the, the producing team feel when, when you, when you approach them and say, uh, yeah, you know, we, we've got six, six great writers and six great potential stories. Just, uh, two of them happen to live, uh, way overseas and, uh, we want to shoot some B roll. Um, are you guys cool with that? You mean as far as like going in and so the beginning of the film, like, uh, interviewing like Mike Hall and Juliana. So that actually happened after the race. So the beginning, so when you, when you watch inspired to ride, the first sort of 10 minutes is, is we get to know Mike Hall a little deeper and Juliana Burring a little deeper. And, and that interview, you know, those situations, you know, going to the, to, to the UK, uh, for Mike Hall and, and Italy for, for Juliana actually, I think was like in October or November, you know, after the June, after the June race. So, so once we had already completed filming and we knew, you know, Mike Hall and Juliana were, were definitely, you know, two, two of the, quite a few folks that we actually got great stories and, and, and really was able to, to, to capture, um, you know, good content along the way. And we knew that obviously they would be, be, you know, bubble up as, as the main characters of, of the film. So the thought process then was, well, let's open the film up with them, with the idea of, I want the audience to, to, to know them better, to, to, to feel connected to them and then start rooting for them. And especially in Juliana's case, not to kind of, I'm sure, you know, most people have seen inspired to ride now, but the two Italian men and Juliana are, are, is this kind of battle, uh, sexist kind of storyline that, that bubbles up. And, and I definitely wanted, you know, the audience to, to kind of hear Juliana's story and, and start rooting for her and caring you know, that she's, uh, you know, if she, that she finishes or, or doesn't finish. So, so, uh, at that point, yes, you know, both Juliana and, and Mike knew, you know, us very well because we had just been spent the last three weeks filming them every single, every single day. So, so yeah, they were super receptive to, to us actually, um, Actually, I was the only one that went and I, I went up there by myself, which was a crazy, a crazy trip. I spent a whole like day and a half with Mike in the UK and then just over a day with Juliana in Italy and then flew home. So I think the whole trip was was like four days. It was insane. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you got to know Mike during the race, I guess a little bit, you know, through the, the interviews when he when he stopped, you know, to fill his face and um, to, to sleep or rest. But, uh, I, I imagine your first pr- maybe real discussion was, you know, once you got over to the UK, is that, is that safe to assume? Yep. That's definitely. So the very first face to face with Mike Hall was in Astoria, uh, Astoria, Oregon in a hotel room. 
where we set up uh, two cameras and, and he sat on the edge of the bed and, and we kind of did our, our pre-race interview with, uh, with Mike, um, with Mike Hall. Yeah. In, in a hotel room in, in Astoria. And again, you know, he was a little stressed out. His fork had gotten cracked. Um, so he was trying to figure out how to get a new fork shipped to him, you know, within, within the day. And, and again, you know, with, with the stress that, that was kind of going on still incredibly, you know, gracious and, and, uh, you know, open to, to doing that interview with us. So, so what's, uh, let's get into his mind a a little bit. So other than the the stress and the, the cracked fork, you know, what, what were your first impressions of this, uh, kind of larger than life racer at this point yeah it um i think humble right so the the word humble keeps just keeps coming up very gracious very humble very well i can you know his answers were, were very well thought out you know he reminds me a lot of matthew lee um just in you know like deep deeper thinkers and and just you know a, a deeper caringness you know, not so much just about going off and doing these, these crazy races, but there, you could tell there was, there were two, three, four, five layers of other reasons and other, yeah, other reasons they were there, you know, or or Mike, you know, was there doing, doing these things. And he had done the, you know, the around the world race by this point as well. So that was, uh, sort of a topic. So he, yeah, you're right. Uh, this larger than, than life character who, who had accomplished, you know, pretty amazing things on a bicycle, but yeah, just super humble, super gracious. Um, yeah. Yeah. Polite. <laughs> yeah. And then when you, when he went to, um, his home over, over in the UK, you know, so, so this is a guy now that's won the Trans Am. He's set the around the world's, uh, record. He's, he's won the tour divide. Like, you know, is, is this a guy that he's, he's got kind of not medals, but, you know, um, accolades hanging all around the house. Like, (laughs) what what, like, yeah. What was your impression? I know you're only there for a short time, but like, what was your impression of like this guy in his, in his home life? Um, he had, he was, you know, if accolades mean, you know, bike parts hanging off of, off of the wall and, and, you know, bicycles in various, um, you know, aspects of, of being put together or built, you know, uh, laying around. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but so I, I flew into London, rented a vehicle and then drove, uh, out to his, out to his place in, um, gosh, I'll have to look, look up in Cardiff, uh, is where he was at that, at that point. But, um, but man, I'm trying to, to think. So when, when we first got there, we did some, you know, kind of the idea was, you know, just what were some of his training things that he would do? So he commuted, uh, to, to work. So when the very first thing, when, when I met him, there was this bridge. So, you know, I, I filmed him as if he was sort of commuting to and from, from work and it was drizzling and it was cold and, and windy. And so we had, uh, filmed a, a bit there and then, um, went to his place in that evening. He had set up a, a dinner with some friends of his. So, so we, uh, hung out with some of his friends and, and had dinner. 
And uh, I'd been traveling for, I don't know, like 18 hours at that point, and, and I was dozing off. I was a bit embarrassed. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then we rode back to his his place, and then and then what you do see in the film was like super early morning. So so we slept for I don't know four hours, and then got up like at three thirty four in the morning to get to get some of those you know early early shots of just him. Um, through the, through the city streets. Um, and then, and then we continued to, to film all day long. So then we went up into some of his, uh, his kind of favorite areas, uh, in, in Wales and, and then kind of also in the film, that very wispy, uh, yellow grass, which is gosh, some of my favorite, favorite footage was there. And then we continued, uh, going up to I think Penny Bont, Ten, Penny Bont. I, I'm gonna. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm hammering the, the name, but his girlfriend Anna lived uh, lives up there uh, with her, and her folks live live up there. And he would train kind of from you know from his house going up to to where to Anna's Anna's house. So so then we filmed all the way up there, and then when we got up there, we did a sort of a how to bikepacking sort of sort of situation, which, uh, and you know, is in the bikepacking secrets, uh, thing. So he, again, you know, just he, all an entire day of filming that started at three 30 in the morning and then, you know, went all day. And then we uh, spent the night up in, up in Penny Mont, Penny Bond. And, um, and then had a great, uh, you know, dinner, you know, there. And then, um, and then we slept at, at, at his folks place. And then I had to leave, you know, the next morning, um, drive back to London to, to get a flight to, to Italy. So, you know, this whole time is just, you know, incredibly gracious. And I don't know if he actually took, you know, the day, two days off work to, to accommodate me, you know, to, to do this, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, you know, spent, sh- you know, the entire day showing me his, some of his favorite locations he likes to train and, and ride. And then we'd set up the camera and, and film for 20, 30, 40 minutes, you know, for, you know, up and back, up and back as, as it often, often does and then move to another location and, and do the same thing. So yeah, it was, it was very cool. So having, having been around, uh, in conversation with Matthew Lee and, and Juliana and, and, and Mike Hall, do you, like I, you mentioned that they, they they were kind of deep thinkers. Like there there was there was quite quite a few layers to the motivation for for doing these races. But did anything jump out at you as far as what made them, uh, you know, other elements anyways that made them successful uh, at what they were doing? Like were they just you know phenomenal athletes? Like I, I'd like to think there was a, a mental edge there that uh, you know separated them from the pack. Yeah, I think, you know, Mike in, in, in particular, and even, you know, some of the, in, in some of the Q and a, um, like after the film, we, we also actually, after the screening, we, you know, we film some Q and A's that, that he kind of mentions this is, this is well, you know, if you look at his Twitter handle, it was like, you know, normally human. And he talked, has a lot, talked a lot about, you know, you know, being normal human or, 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 or human. And I, I think he cared and thought a lot about, you know, what are we capable 
of, um, you know, both in, in, in mind and body and, you know, some of the things that, that kind of came up were it's, you know, if, if one person is able to, to do a particular thing, well, then it's possible. It's been done. It's been proven. So if that person can do it, well, then there's no reason that I shouldn't be able to, you know, to do it. I think we've heard the, you know, the, the case of, of the four minute mile, you know, ever being broken, you know, saying, oh, it's impossible. But then as, as soon as one person did it, well, then, then a ton of people all of a sudden, you know, started running, um, you know, under a four minute, four minute mile. So, so I think he, you know, about cared a lot or thought a lot about, you know, what's possible or, or what's, you know, what's physically doable. And then, you know, if I was able to accomplish this, when I did this, well, if I, if I tweaked something, well, could, could I do it better or faster or longer? Um, and then I don't know that it was always about, you know, being, there was a lot of strategy, I guess, you know, you could tell there was like a lot of chess sort of (laughs) maneuvering going on in in Mike's mind from a, a strategic, I think, standpoint. Um, you know, treating these events and, and, you know, moving throughout, throughout the day as, as, as almost like a game or, or chess moves. And he did kind of talk about, um, almost kind of like, like being a secret, being a secret agent. So you have this normal, your this normal life, but then when you're out doing an event like this, it's almost as if you are, you know, someone else or, or, or a character, you know, almost like a secret agent kind of maneuvering, you know, you know, from place to place and, and being somebody else, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you're not, uh, an, an engineer, uh, you're, you're this, uh, you know, cyclist or, or someone off doing, you know, these crazy, <laughs> I don't know, things out, out in the world as you make your way across the country. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. It was funny listening and, you know, comparing those two thoughts of, you know, at the start of the film, Mike's talking about, um, yeah, I I can't remember exactly how you phrased it in the film, but being that secret agent and, um, on a stealth mission and then, you know, cut to Jason Lane, uh, the Canadian, the lone, I believe the lone Canadian, um, towards the end of the race, who was, it was in second place. Uh, behind Mike and he just you know looked like a kid in a candy store saying you know pretty much just pretending to be an adult or you know pretty, <laughs> you know finding a way to just not be an adult really just ride his ride his bike for a living so right right uh, you know, it was interesting to see the the two minds at, at work um all right so so where are you when, when you hear of, uh, Mike's, uh, unfortunate passing? Do you, I, I imagine it's, it's something you won't soon forget. No, I was, I believe it was a Thursday evening and I was at home. I was actually by myself, which was in probably a good thing. <laughs> um, my, my wife and, and daughter were in, were, were looking at colleges in out out of state, it was over spring break, and then my son was at a sleepover with some buddies. So I was at home, and it was early evening. Um, and and again, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, things kind of started bubbling up about about and and you know, about uh, an, an accident with a cyclist that uh, that happened, um, you know, with the. Uh, 
well, I forget the, the name of the race that was in, in Australia, the Indian wheel. Yeah. Indian um, uh, Pacific wheel race. Yeah. The Indian Pacific race, you know, a cyclist was injured, you know, participant. And, and I don't know that early on, it was a, if they did say that it was a participant of the race, uh, or not. So, so that kind of started bubbling up, you know, early Eve, Thursday, Thursday evening, I believe. Um, and then, and then I think some people started kind of, you know, being the detectives with looking at the, the, the spot tracking devices and then where, because Australia, you know, being what, like a day and six hours ahead. Um, so news articles were, were coming out about this accident and, and the location. So, um, the location of the accident was being, was being, um, you know, broadcast from, from the news agencies in, in Australia. And then I think just the power of, of deduction where, where Mike Hall's GPS unit was, was at this particular city where this accident was being reported and there were no other, you know, GPS units in the area. So, so then people start speculating that this accident, you know, the cyclist who had been killed was actually Mike Hall and, and, and yeah, then, and then it's like, you know, disbelief. And then people were getting upset, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, how dare you, you know, don't, don't say that, you know, it's, you don't even know that it's true. And if it is true, it's, you know, it hasn't been proven or, or reported yet. So delete that comment, you know, um, but and so I think at first, like you know, any news of tragedy, tragedy, it's 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 disbelief, and, and you don't want to believe it, or, or you hope it's not true, and it's you know it's something else, and and then of course you know you're you're, you're sucked in, and then you start googling and wanting to find out as much as you can, and yeah, um, and so long story short, um, yeah, it was up you know, till one, two, three in the morning, you know, just kind of, uh, Googling and, and, you know, huge, huge punches in the gut, um, you know, period, periodic, you know, just bursting into to tears and then, and then it's stopping. And then, and then, you know, 20 minutes later, tears again, it's, it was yeah crazy. Um, the emotions were nothing like nothing I'd ever experienced. And, and I had to, you know, experience death from, from, you know, grandparents and, and things like that, but never really appear, you know, and, and then, you know, especially, you know, someone like that. So yeah, the emotions were, you know, something I'd never felt before. Yeah. And you got that sense that a lot of people were, were kind of in the same boat, you know, up all hours waiting for, for an update and, um, you know, kind of nervously not wanting to hear the the news that came out. And I, I'm thinking, I'm wondering, like, for, from your standpoint, like, as a filmmaker and, and as a storyteller, what do you, what do you think it is about Mike in particular that, you know, captured so many people's attention? Like, so for for the large group that showed up, you know, the the few days later in Sydney, I believe there was like a thousand riders, and you know the the tremendous outpouring of support with the the legend posters and the GoFundMe page, like. What, what do you think it is about Mike is, you know, as, as terrible as it is to say, you know, we hear about cyclists dying on a, uh, on a fairly regular basis, um, you know, with, with collisions with cars, but for some reason, this, 
just kind of skyrocketed into the news. And, you know, Mike, as far as I could tell, was not the kind of guy that went out of his way to be a social media presence. He, he had a presence, but, um, you know, he, he wasn't crazy like some of us, uh, on there. So, so what is it about him or, or his story that, you know, captures your interest as a filmmaker and, and really captured the world's interest for, for a couple of days with the media and for all of us online? I, seeing, seeing that, the interest and, and the outpouring of, I guess, love, right. That, that came out, um, after that was, it, it was amazing and it was incredibly refreshing to see. And, and I think it just goes to show you that those that were aware of Mike, his, his accomplishments over the years, you know, probably, you know, going back to like the round the world race it is my guess is when it first kind of started happening on world on a world level where people you know started learning and, and knowing who who Mike Hall was. But you're right he he was never one of those cyclists, and and I think anybody who's in this bike packing scene doing doing these races aren't out there you know, putting their own press releases together saying, Hey, look at me, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm, what I'm accomplishing. It was, it was from a purely passion standpoint. It's, it's, um, you know, he was doing these, these great things, but, but other people were the ones doing the recognizing and, and the talking about. And, and then when Mike, I think, you know, was being interviewed in, in the magazines or, 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 or whatever you definitely saw in how he spoke and, and how he related his experiences and what he talked about, I don't know, subliminally or, or, or the, the layers of it, you just absorbed what he was doing as being so real and so passionate and so genuine and, and humble and then I think, you know, creating the transcontinental race and, and just how he put that out into the world in a very caring, uh, you know, a very caring way. So I think it's just, you know, the outpouring of, of, of love that, that came out after hearing of, of Mike's, you know, passing was, was just something that was created over years and years and years of, of learning about Mike. And I think there's something, you know, we can hopefully take away, you know, from that. If, you know, if Mike's ness, right. So uh, some of the hashtags are, you know, that kind of bubbled up, you know, um, you know, be more Mike, right. If I think, you know, if people listening right now took that to heart a little bit deeper, and seriously, if we were more Mike, you know, it sounds a cliche, but this world would truly be a freaking better place. Yeah. Well, well said, uh, uh, Mike, I, 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 I think you hit the nail on the button. Um, you know, I, I personally, I've, I've been pretty transparent. Like I've, I feel like I've often straddled the world between, you know, being an entrepreneur and being a, a bike packer at the same time. And, um, I know when I, I did the last tour divide, I, I 
purposely didn't look for sponsorship and you know I'm uh, but I'm always kind of caught right on that cusp of promoting myself and and <laughs> and I haven't sent out a press release yet but not to say it won't ever happen um but I think that yeah that that is that's that's the key right like why 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 we love what my call was all about is um you know people were drawn to him for for what he did not you know the the press releases and and instagram photos he put out there it's just you know lead by example i i, right. I guess ultimately yeah and uh yeah he uh yeah he won't he won't soon be forgotten for sure and um you know as we said at the top of the podcast um his family is uh, holding a celebration of his life uh, on May second in uh, North Yorkshire, and, and I'm sure we'll, there are still many stories to come out. Um, but I, I thought, you know, this this would be a great opportunity to to hear it, uh, you know, from someone who had met him and, and gotten to know him. And uh, thank you uh, very much, uh, Mike, for for sharing and, and and opening your heart. Really, it's I, I knew it was a heavy topic and. I, admittedly, I felt like a bit of a scumbag kind of reaching out to you to see if you wanted to do this, but uh, it, it was coming from a place of just wanting to hear your side and, and to share. And um, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I, I'm, I know there's many folks that are, are looking forward to having you up at uh, the summit and uh, getting getting into uh, more of those divide stories and, and seeing some of the, the B-roll, if we can make that happen, some of the footage we haven't seen. And uh, answering the million-dollar question, will uh, will Mike uh, Dion ever race the Tour Divide <laughs> <laughs> for a second time? <laughs> Finish that divide. Uh, we'll, we'll go all sorts of fun places. But uh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you again, Mike, for uh, taking the, the afternoon to share. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Well, this has been Episode uh, 22 of the Bike Pack Canada Podcast. Cheers. <laughs>